Hey, all right. So I right, now <laughs> with a Mr. Kyle Coleman, uh, you are a Latin dancer as well as instructor and a performer as well. Is that correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> um, so if I'm not mistaken, oh wait, hold on. Can you yeah. hear me? Oh, yeah, I got you. Can you hear me? Okay, my headphones are on my fault. Um, so yeah, you are the co-founder and I guess the co-founder and owner of Latin Expressions Dance Company, which is uh which you created in Indianapolis, and it is also the longest-running Latin dance studio in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Your, your video's frozen on me, though, so I don't know if something's gone wrong on your end. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You, see? you, you just look goofy with, with your, your... There you are, there you are. Your okay, face is like, mm, <laughs> frozen there. All right, so, um, so you found a Latin Expressions back in September of 2011, and you all offer salsa, bachata, mambo, cha-cha-cha, cumbia, merengue, as well as some maybe other classes as well? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey. I mean, primarily, you know, like I mostly focus you know, on salsa and bachata, but, uh, you know, we do have, uh, we'll offer like, you know, merengue classes every now and then, and, and cha-cha, and cumbia. Okay. I had a cumbia private lesson, actually, uh, right before this. Okay, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, man, so you started, I guess, dancing Latin styles around 18 years old. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, 2005, uh, right off high school. Oh man. Okay, man. How are you doing today, Kyle? What's up? How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, um, you know, I guess I really want to start this out, man. I- I'm unsure. Were you born and raised in Indianapolis, or? Yeah, I was born and raised in Indy. Okay, so I don't know, man. I actually lived in Indianapolis for a short, brief period, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell no, where well, I forgot. Well, why'd you leave us? We need some more leads over here. Uh, you okay. Know? Oh man, that was when I was a kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, man. Tell me this, man. Um, you know, I guess what was it like growing up in Indianapolis, man? You know, what, what was that like? Uh, India is just you know, it's it's a mid-sized city. It actually, has more to offer than I think a lot of people realize. A lot of people think of India and they just think, oh yeah, they got farms over there and they got corn, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, you guys realize we hosted a Super Bowl, right? And, and, you know, we also host, like, you know, one of the biggest, you know, sporting events in the world in the Indy 500, you know. So it's like, there's actually quite a bit here. And uh, you know, it's, I've enjoyed growing up here. I've thought about leaving for a bigger city, especially for, for dance purposes. But, uh, you know, I, I've loved watching the Indianapolis salsa scene grow over time. And having been a big part of that, you know. It's a special place in my heart, so I don't see myself leaving anytime soon, if ever. <laughs> I understand that, man. Tell me this, man. What were um, what were some of your childhood hobbies growing up in Indianapolis? I I was like every other kid. I was just playing sports and you know getting involved with you know basketball, baseball, soccer, and things like that, and you know just playing around. Because this was before you know like you know like cell phones and stuff, right? You know, it's like you actually had to go out and do things, you know, you couldn't just sit at home and, you know, play on your iPad or something, you know? you know, so I just kind of, you know, I was a normal kid growing up and, you know, we'd go outside and, you know, have like, you know, football scrimmages in the backyards and, you know, all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I understand that, man. Um, tell me this, how, how important was music growing up in your household? Not at all, actually. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, had zero musical background. I never learned how to play an instrument, um, which when it came to dancing became a real struggle for me. I learned, you know, I was like, and as I became, you know, more competent as a dancer, I started to realize just 
how important you know the music is and so many people overlook that i think uh when they are dancing i think especially in the beginning you know a lot of people are focusing on so many different like details and technique and stuff so you know i realized how important music really is because yeah growing up music wasn't priority i never learned how to play an instrument and you know yeah nothing yeah, i understand yeah, yeah. I, i'm curious um hey kid come here Hey, if you could like and subscribe for the channel, that'd be amazing. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Um, do you think I, I, I imagine a lot of people can relate to that? You know, not growing up in a music household. So, do you think? Do you think that's just another obstacle to overcome in your dancing career? Do you think that hindered you at all? I do. I, I do think that uh, not having a background with with music makes it more of a challenge for some people. Um, and, and most people who are natural dancers. They're natural dancers, I think, because they already have a grasp of music. Um, they have an understanding of rhythm and tempo and beats. Even if they don't understand how to articulate it, they internally can recognize a beat and really keep it and stick with it. And if you're not really familiar with that, like, you know, I've, and I see it in class all the time, you know, and, and, you know, I'm like, every time I say a number, how many steps do, that, do you think I want you to take? <laughs> Like I say one number, you take one step, you know, if I say three numbers, you're taking three steps. But, uh, but yeah, so it's one of those things where I do think it's, it's a challenge for people who don't have a grasp of music. And it took me a little while to kind of get comfortable with music, especially, you know, you know, my background primarily being with, with salsa, you know, salsa is just such a complicated genre of music, you know, with a, a vast, you know, rich background from all these different cultures. And, you know, I think for a lot of people that, you know, are new to salsa and haven't grown up like listening to like Latin music in general. Like, I don't even know what I'm listening for. I'm like, you'll get it. Just listen to the music. Now I understand that, man. Let me ask you this, man, because I'm positive, you know, like I said, a lot of people can relate to that. Um, I guess, do you have any tips or like words of wisdom, man, for someone else, you know, who doesn't have that background in music, but wants to, you know, get into salsa, man, anything oh, yeah. that can help them? Oh yeah. So, uh, Actually, I discussed this briefly on an, an article that I wrote a while back. It's called A Beginner's Guide to Salsa Dancing. And it just kind of talks about all the different things that you can expect coming into a dance scene and what you should do. Uh, but what I, I often recommend and tell my students who struggle with music, I'm like, you just got to listen to as much as you can. And, and when I say listen, I mean that very differently than what a lot of people you know, perceive that as. I say, I don't want you listening to it when you're you know, cooking or driving. I'm like, I want you to actively sit down and pay attention. Don't passively listen because you can hear something, but not really, you know, be listening to it um, or hearing it. You know, you're hearing the sounds, but you're not really internalizing the meaning of those sounds. And so I tell people, I'm like, if you want to get better with music, you just need to sit down, listen to it and actually pay attention to what you're hearing instead of just, you know, playing it in the background and not really, you know, taking it for what it is. I, I definitely understand that, man. I definitely do. And I hear that often, you know, people say, I hear people say just listen to it, but I think it is different when you actively, you know, are just listening yeah. to it. You have, you have a, a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so let me ask you this, man. So yeah, growing up in Indianapolis, man, um, do you remember what you wanted to be as a child? You know, like, you know, what you want to be when you grew up? Oh yeah. I, I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. I, I wanted to be an attorney. Okay. And then I got older. I was like, man, that's a lot of work. Uh. <laughs> Not a lot of fun either. 
Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to be an attorney for the longest time. That was probably the what I wanted to be for the longest part of my life as a child. And I would say for probably a period of like seven years of my childhood, I was like, I want to be a, a lawyer, you know? And I remember like watching movies and stuff like, like Liar Liar with Jim Carrey and like, yeah, yeah. you know, seeing like attorneys and movies and stuff. And I found out that's not what like most attorneys actually do. It's nothing like that. I'm like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Is that is that something that stemmed from your parents or like what you know, do you know where that came from? I have you know, I have no idea where my interest in that really came from. It, it probably was just pop culture, just seeing like, you know, courtroom cases on TV and stuff and and think, oh man, that'd be really cool to you know be up there and argue a case on behalf of somebody and like, you know, outwit them so to speak, you know, in the courtroom and yeah, you know, I was just something I was really interested in, and uh, yeah, I just didn't end up following through with it. Even though I did end up working uh, for a brief time at a law firm in like a uh, kind of like an administrative assistant type of okay. position. Okay, okay, so no, man, I understand that. So, uh, so yeah, growing up in Indy, man. Um, I guess what happens after you graduate high school, man? So uh, after I got out of high school, I well, that's when I started dancing. I was looking for a summer job uh, right out of high school and got a job kind of like working the front desk of a dance studio. And, uh, and then I went to college at the University of Indianapolis, and which allowed me to continue staying at that dance studio because uh, in, University of Indianapolis was just like 10 minutes away. Okay. And so I went to school, got my, my bachelor's in psychology, and I was going to go into mental health counseling and that path just didn't seem right for me. So even though I got my bachelor's, I kind of fell out of that and eventually got a job at a law firm just doing, you know, administrative stuff. And yeah. Okay. Now I understand. T- tell me this. Um, you know, I guess, how did you come about that job at the dance school? How, how did that come about? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Interesting story about that is, uh, so there was a, a dance school that had started called Indie Salsa. And it had been started by and co co-founded by a, a group of people. Um, I mean, I would say anywhere between like six and ten individuals started this the school together. They all had full-time jobs. They were just doing it because they wanted to share their their love for Latin dance and teach other people and help the scene grow. And uh, one of those those guys worked with my mom at Eli Lilly, a, a big pharmaceutical company here in Indy, and. He was just kind of talking to her about this new new endeavor they were taking on and how they they needed someone to work the front desk to kind of like do bookkeeping, check in students, return voicemails and all that administrative stuff, kind of sweep the floors. And she knew I was looking for a summer job right out of high school to earn a little bit of money before college. And they uh, she was like, well, is it something that my son could do? And he was like, yeah, anyone could do it, you know. And so that's how I ended up getting that job, you know, just through a connection from my mom at, at her job. And from there, like they, they asked me if I would uh, help out in the classes because you know, I think there's a common trend in most cities where there's more girls in dance classes most of the time. And so they were like, hey, w- w- you know, will you help out and just like, you know, be a warm body for someone to dance with? And I was like, no, nah, I don't dance. You don't want me out there. I'll scare your female students away if I'm dancing with them. Like, like you know, because like growing up, I, I was the tall, skinny white guy at the dances standing in the corner sipping on punch. You know, I didn't dance at all. Um, but after about a, about a month, the uh, one of the main owners kind of came up to me and he was like, hey, you know, 
and he was very polite and respectful about it. So when I say this, sometimes people are like, oh, wow, he said that. But I mean, it didn't come across that way when he said it. But he was just like, he goes, you know, we do have too many female students right now. And you don't need to know anything to take a beginner class. And we are paying you to be here. So I need you to get in that class. And I was like, that's logic I can't argue with. I'm like, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm being paid to be here. So so I, I jumped in that beginner class. And as they say, the rest is history. Man, I definitely understand that, man. I want to ask you this now. Well, no, I was, I was going to say, though, I often do tell my students, though, um, if you're trying to dance and you're trying to learn, you're already a step ahead of me because I didn't even want to. You wanted to take the class. That's why you're here. I didn't even want to take a dance class. You know, I got forced into it and, you know, and it turned out good for me. So you're already a step ahead of me if you're wanting to be there and wanting to do it. Uh, definitely, man. That's, um, you know, just the way things work out, man. It's kind of crazy, right? Yep. I accidentally learned salsa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very curious to hear, man. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but, you know, what was you know your beginner stage like what was that like um well i was very very fortunate because i had a job at the dance studio so i wasn't paying for classes you know which was also great being a college student um which is why you know at our studio we offer um you know student discounts for anyone who's you know in, in a in a any type of academic capacity we offer a discount for them because my partner and I, who, when we both started, we both learned to dance while we were in college. And so we wanted to try and make it more affordable for, you know, students. Um, so for me, I was at the studio, you know, five days a week and I didn't have to pay. And so I got tons and tons of practice. And so it benefited my learning experience quite a bit. I was terrible. I was awful. You know, I tell my students this and they just say, I'm like, whatever. No, you weren't. You had to have been natural. I'm like, no, no, like you don't understand. I remember very specifically one time. I, we had a, a student at that first studio I was at that we were kind of learning together. And I was always like, I was always really hard on myself. I, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So like when they did put me in classes, I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm sure as hell going to do the best I can at it. Right. I'm not going to look like a fool the whole time. And, uh, but I was always really hard on myself. And like, I remember she went off to college and came back like two years later or something. And when she came back, you know, she, uh, we were dancing at this event and she just started laughing in the middle of the dance. And I was like, what's so funny? And she, she was like, I remember when you said you were never going to get this. And I, I was like, right then I was like, that's, that's great. That's perfect. You know? So it, it was really awesome to, you know, get that feedback from her and, you know, having someone from the outside, you know, tell me how much growth they've seen when they hadn't been around me. Um, but that was kind of like, you know, my, uh, my beginner experience. I fell in love with Bachata first. I think a lot. I think a lot of us do, and uh, yeah, so I was really into bachata when I first started. First started at the studio, and we nice. primarily just did salsa and bachata. Okay, okay. I think that's um, that's probably I can be very helpful, man, to you know someone else who is a beginner. You know, just realizing that um, just sticking with it, you know, continually going to classes, man, you will see improvement. Oh, yeah. Correct. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I, I, that's nothing. You know, I kind of addressed. And my, the article that I wrote, uh, Beginner's Guide to Salsa, was um, telling people, you know, you've got to commit. If you want to get good at it, you've got to be prepared to commit time because there are no shortcuts in dance. And, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is you know, people will be like, how long does it take for me to get as good as you? And I was like, well, I've been doing it 14 years. So 
14 years. <laughs> and, 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 like, oh. and I would say, and I, I would say maybe not even that long on um, people, people have different, I guess, maybe aptitudes. Correct. So how long yeah, it yeah. takes you might not be the same as someone else as well. Correct. Correct. You know, and that's another thing I tell them is, you know, I'm always like, you will grow with the amount of time that you put into it. And I always say, if you take two dancers, they've both been dancing for one year, but one of them has been dancing five days a week. The other has been dancing one day a week. Who's going to be better after that year? You know, I mean, it's clear. But if you were to ask them, hey, how long have you been dancing? They're both going to say, I've been dancing one year, you know. But there's going to be a huge difference in, you know, their skill levels. And obviously, you know, different learning aptitudes will take place. But assuming you're, you're an average person, you know, I'm always like, it's all about the time you put into it. Because there are no shortcuts. You, you got to put right. in the time. Let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, so you, you say you've been dancing since, you know, you got out of high school. Yeah. Um, do you can you put into words, you know, I guess what drew you to salsa? Was it just because you worked there or, you know, what what made you stick with it? Um, I would say it, it wasn't the music at first. Now it's the music. Uh, you know, oh, now I, I did not love the music at first. I didn't understand music, really. I didn't have a great appreciation for music. Um, I think more than anything, it was probably the idea of trying to perfect something and striving for something that's going to take a long time. Like I I would compare it kind of like, I remember you you might be able to relate to this as well. Like being like in high school or something, you know, you have a video game that has this long campaign and that, that journey that you take is a long journey, but so fulfilling when you get done with it. Um, And so what, what I love about like dancing is that especially like Latin dancing, it's always evolving there's always something new there's always something new to learn someone who's doing something a little bit different and so it's this journey that never ends and you can kind of keep riding that wave and it's it's so fulfilling doing that and being able to perfect something and then and the other thing which you know a lot of people will say this when you dance long enough that the confidence that it gives you you know it just really helps build that confidence in a person when you get really really good at something especially something that takes so much time a lot of times to feel like you can hang with, you know, anyone else on the dance floor. You know, when you reach that point and you feel like, yeah, I can dance with anybody on this dance floor and you feel like I can keep up, you know, that that confidence that you get is just that there's nothing that can really replace it. You know, that's something I definitely agree with, man. Um, I think I kind of had a similar background with you. I, I listened to music, man, but I was growing up. I was actually scared of the dance floor. Yeah. But um, but you know, I can definitely agree, man. Like the confidence that it gives you, man. That I think, you know, mastery of anything, you know, gives you gives you confidence, man. Oh, so yeah. I, I I definitely understand what you mean by that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's uh, I would say that's probably really what helped me stick through it was uh, you know, besides you know working there was the, the confidence that instills in people, and then like I said, that that journey. I, I always liked the idea of working toward a goal you know, really working towards something to ac- accomplish something. And, and what I love about, you know, salsa is like, even once you've accomplished a specific goal, there's always something new you can set. You know, it's like one of the things I'll, I'll tell my students is like, if you want to get better, you need to first tell me what you want to get better at. Some people are like, I just want to get good. I'm like, well, what do you think is good? You know, like, what do you think makes a good dancer? If you think when you see someone doing like, you know, a double or a triple turn, that means they're, they're pretty good. Then work on your double and triple turns. And once you can do it, find something new to work on, you know, but the idea is always find something 
to strive for because that'll keep you growing. And I tell people, I'm like, take your, your biggest weakness and turn it into a strength. Then take this next weakness, turn it into a strength. And eventually every, all of your, you know, your techniques are really high. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. I definitely understand that, man. Uh, let me ask you this real quick, man. Yeah. Um, going back to, you know, when you first started that job, yeah. um, what was the dance scene like in Indianapolis? Oh, it was, uh, it, it was, it was small. It was, um, I rem- and, and like the, the, just at the time, no one in Indianapolis really had an understanding enough of the dance and like how to teach. It was just, this is how you do it. And like, they just watch us and do what we do. Like there wasn't like, all right, well you need to, no one taught me how to spot when I'm turning. Like, you know, I had to learn that many years later because people just didn't really understand dance. They just danced and they loved doing it. So they decided to teach, but they didn't know, they didn't have any technical background. Um, I remember the cool move of the day when I first started, the cool move that everybody wanted to learn. I think it's probably called the same thing in most cities. It was called the Titanic. You know that move? Uh, it sounds familiar, but which one is it? Okay, it's, it's like, so you, you got your hands crossed with your partner, left hands on top, and you do a cross by leading. When you turn her, you open her arms out, and you're like in the movie scene Titanic. Okay, okay, okay. But, but I mean, that was the cool move. And now oh, I'm like, and, and people now are just like, that was the cool move. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. That's where the dance scene was at the time. You know, it was just dance scene was still very new. It was uh, still growing. I want to say the dance scene when I started, there had only been like people actively teaching for maybe a year or two. Um, before that, it was just, there was, you know, some places to go where they would play music and some people would dance, but there wasn't really anyone out there like actively teaching or any schools or anything like that. Um, until, you know, like I said, a year or two before I started. And that's when I think the first like salsa school, you know, we'll say outside of like, you know, like ballroom schools, but like first, like legitimate, like strictly Latin salsa. Um, it was a place called red brick dance studio and it was the first one in Indy and it kind of taught all the salsa pioneers of Indianapolis how to dance. And then things just kind of took off from there. Is that where you worked red brick or no? So red brick ended up closing right before I started. And that's why all these other people create a new studio. They create indie salsa. And one of the reasons they did that was because red, red brick had closed. Um, the, uh, the owner of red brick moved to New York city. And so, but yeah, he was the first person. It was a guy named T and he kind of taught everybody in the beginning how to salsa dance. And uh, then once he moved, you know, a cu- couple other schools started to pop up. Okay. Okay. I get you. I get you. Um, so let me ask you this, man. So, you know, you say you, you start dancing around high school. Um, yeah. you go to, you know, university of Indianapolis, man. Um, you know, what happens after you, I guess, graduate, you said you got your psychology degree. Yeah. So you started working at the law firm, right? I did not start at the law firm right away. This was, uh, so I graduated. This was, you know, Oh nine, 10. So we're in the middle of a recession. The economy's in the tank, you know, you know, our generation grew up being told, hey, if you go to college, you'll get a good job. What they forgot to tell us is, well, there won't be any jobs. <laughs> so when, when I got out of college, I ended up, I actually had to take a minimum wage position working retail at Express Clothing. And and I worked and they, uh, they, they even told me, they're like, you know, 
it was actually a brand new store that was opening. And that was the first employee that they hired. And I remember the manager, she told me, she goes, you're like, she goes, you're certainly overqualified for this, you know, having, you know, college degree. And I was like, I, I was like, yeah, but it's a job. And in this I economy, I'll take it right now. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for, I don't know, maybe six months until I found the job at the law firm through a friend. And then I started working at the law firm for a few years after that. Okay. 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 Was, um, were you, was there a big dance scene at the university of Indianapolis? Oh no, there was, there's no dancing at, at UND. No. Um, yeah, nothing. Okay. So, so just strictly say, yeah, you're working, you're going to school and you're going to classes and you graduate still going to classes all, all this whole time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was, awesome. uh, yes. Cause you know, classes would be during the day for the most part. And then I would you know go to the studio at night. Cause that's obviously when most classes are going to be taking place. And, and so, yeah, so I learned to dance while I was going through school and yeah, it was like very convenient for me, especially since I did not have to pay for those classes. And that's, I think, you know, oftentimes a big burden for a lot of people, especially in the dance scene, like the soft scene, what I love the most about it is the, the diversity that brings, in terms of just just everything when it comes to age race socioeconomic status like everyone does it everywhere and so i do know that for a lot of people you know a lot of people love latin dancing but they don't have you know a ton of money so i do think like the latin dancing does tend to be more affordable than say like you know your ballroom studios and stuff that are you know gonna be charging a little bit more and and so yeah i was very fortunate though that I didn't have to pay for any of my classes at that studio. You know, obviously, you know, if I would like go somewhere, you know, and train with someone or do private lessons and stuff, you know, I, I was paying for that. But being at the studio and stuff, I was very, very fortunate. And yeah, unlimited yeah, access seriously. to the studio yeah. for practice time. Like, like I remember. That's I awesome, like, man. Yeah, I mean, I had a key to the place. I was the one who opened it up and closed it down. So it was like, people are like, you know, how do I get good at spins? I'm like, you know what I did? I spun a lot all by myself in that studio before people got there. And I was like, you just got to do it over and over and over, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think what happens is, um, you know, you practice it, but I think as well, you know, it becomes muscle memory, correct? Yeah. 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 Although, although the hard part is, like I said, you know, at that time, you know, a lot of people didn't really have like a technical background. So like, a lot of times I was practicing things and doing things the wrong way. And, and so like that I had to relearn them. I remember I got to a point where I could do a triple turn. And at that point I wasn't even spotting. Like, and I look back now and I'm like, how was I doing triple turns without, and I look back at videos and I'm like, gosh, I was so awful. Okay, you okay. know, it was like, no one had told me cause no one, you know, just knew how to teach dance. Um, I, I think, I think that's, um, I think that's, that's one of the benefits of a teacher, though, right? They can they can uh, prevent you from making the same mistakes they made. Thus, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, making a, a quicker journey for you. You know, if, if you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, I guess going back to when you, you know, were, I guess, kind of like in school, in, in university to, you know, when you're working at that law firm, did you did you have any goals for dancing? Were you trying to become a performer? Were you trying to do this full time? Is this a hobby? Um, I knew that at first it, it was just a hobby and it was something that, you know, I enjoyed doing. Um, I didn't really have any specific goals. Um, 
I never envisioned, and I think one of the reasons why I never really had any like goals in that regard. I mean, I had like, you know, specific goals on what I wanted to get better at, but in terms of like advanced career, um, I didn't really have any goals because I honestly didn't think it was something I could achieve. Um, mainly because like I didn't have a background in dance or music. I was never very good. I wasn't a natural by any means. So it wasn't anything that I really thought was attainable. It was just one of those things where I think the, your goals, at least for me, kind of changed as I progressed. Um, once I got comfortable with my technique and some moves, I was like, all right, well, yeah, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll perform. And I would do a performance. And then I was like, all right, well, now that I perform, well, maybe, maybe I'll enter into this local dance competition, you know, and then you go into a local dance competition. And I'm like, you know what, maybe one day I'd like to do my own studio, you know? And I think that kind of came a bit later um, as the, the landscape of the dance scene kind of started shifting a little bit when I decided I wanted to, you know, start my own dance company. But but yeah, I never really sought out to perform, sought out to compete. It just sort of happened. It just seemed like as I reached a certain level, it just seemed like the next logical step. You know what I mean? I was like, well, well I've, I've accomplished quite a bit as a social dancer. Maybe I should perform. And I got, well, I've performed. Well, maybe I guess the next step is to compete, you know? And then next thing is, you know, all right, well, maybe I should, you know, start a team. And maybe I should do a group choreography and like things like that. So eventually just your goals kind of change, I think, over time, at least for me. And it's turned out all right for me. So it's like I'm happy with it. Hey, let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, I know I do this, man. I have this habit where, you know, I, I will compare myself to others. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this, man. I, I want to say it, your goals does not have to be the same goals as someone else, correct? Correct. Oh yeah. And, and so meaning, yeah, meaning, you know, maybe someone else doesn't really want to perform or want to compete or mm-hmm. open a dance studio. That's not required of them, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'll often ask people, especially I always ask this when I do private lessons. I will always ask the students the very first thing when we start. I said, "What is your goal?" Um, because what your goal is is going to determine how I approach teaching you. Um, if you just want to be comfortable to go out dancing and just be as a hobby, as a social dancer, then I'm not going to be quite as meticulous with teaching you, say, like, you know, you know, the follow steps here or the lead steps here. I'm only going to teach you what you need to know to accomplish your goal. However, if you're looking to, you know, become a teacher, I'm going to I am going to be as meticulous as I can, as detailed as as possible, because if you plan to teach one day, you got to know this stuff inside and out, you know? And so, yeah, goals are very important. And I always ask people that because that determines, you know, what approach you should take as a student, you know, when you know what you want to get out of it. I definitely understand that, man. So, um, so you said you graduated in 2010, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, de- de- December of the time. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. I guess you, um, so I, I guess I'm very curious, man. You, and you said you started the, dance school in september of 2011 um yes you said did that just come from you said that natural progression of goals you know you said you know competing to performing was it just and maybe next open a dance studio is that how that came about i i think the reason it came about was because i started dating an instructor who so i was at this time i was teaching at at a 
dance school. There were two dance, Latin dance schools at the time. I was teaching at one and I started dating a girl who was teaching at the other. And I think as most people know who've been in the dance scenes for a while, when you are in a relatively small market, there's a lot of little rivalry there, you know? Um, and so there was this, we started dating and people were kind of like referring to us almost like the Romeo and Juliet of the salsa scene. You know, we're from these two different families, these different schools. And like, so one person even told her like, you know, you can't be seeing him. He's the number two guy over at that school. Oh, wow. and, and we were like, wait, you're going to tell us, you know, we can't <laughs> see each other because we teach it. But it became one of these things where we were together for a little while and we wanted to teach together. However, given the rivalry, we didn't want to go to one of those other schools. So it wasn't like I was going to go teach at where she was or she was going to go teach where I was. We decided we're going to create something new and try and be in the middle of it. And um, we felt like with my experience having managed, you know, a couple different studios and her experience as a dancer, um, we could create something that was better than what the other two schools at that time were offering. And so we wanted to do it ourselves and that's what we did. And so like I said, it was more based upon the landscape of the scene as opposed to necessarily a goal. Okay. Um, it was something that was enticing. Of course, I mean, yeah, I have my own dance company. That's cool, you know, but, but at the same time is more as a way because we want to teach together. We, we had been dating. We, and a lot of people actually asked us, why don't you guys teach together? We're like, it's not that simple, you know, it's like these two schools are rivalries, you know, and so it's not so easy. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go over there, you know, because, you know, you do that, you know, you're upsetting a lot of people on the other side. And, you know, and obviously the best part about I think about Latin dancing is, you know, the relationships that you do get to build, um, you know, because you're sharing this passion, this hobby with, with people and you're spending, you know, sometimes more time with them than you do your own family, you know. You know, especially when you're, you get that salsa bug, you know, you're always in that dance scene. And, and so it's like, it's not so easy just to walk away and go teach somewhere else. So we're like, whatever, we're just going to create something new, not choose sides. And we'll just do it that way. I'm curious, man, you, you kind of spoke on it, but, um, I so you, you working at, was it Indianapolis salsa, Indie salsa as the first Indie salsa. you started working at? Yeah. And and then you said there's there's um some more schools that open up. Do you continue to work at Indianapolis Salsa? Or Indy? So, all right. So the first studio I worked at was Indy Salsa. Indy Salsa. And I worked there for three years, and then that studio closed down. Ah, okay. Um, the owner moved to California. At that time, I started another studio had opened up. What was the name of that one? That one was called Salsa Indy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't mix those up, you know. Okay. <laughs> and then, and so I went to Salsa Indy because I had a previous relationship with the owner of Salsa Indy because that, that, the owner of Salsa Indy was also one of those founding people of Indy Salsa. Um, so, I, so I went over there and started working for Salsa Indy. Then there was one other studio, which was the longest running studio at the time, was called Into Salsa. Um. And so I worked for Salsa Indy for three years. And then uh, my partner, like I said, she worked for Into Salsa. And after that, we created Latin Expressions after I'd been with Salsa Indy for three years. So I spent three years at Indy Salsa, three years at Salsa Indy, then created Latin Expressions. 
Okay, I get you. I understand, man. Um, it's 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 like it's like like families getting divorced. You know, all these complicated relationships. You know, like right. wait, are you related to that one again? Uh, <laughs> uh, I wanna. I definitely want to talk about you know Latin experiences, but tell me this, man. Um, you kind of already spoke on it, man. But you, you know that that competition among dance schools. I'm positive that's something that happens in every city. Oh yeah. What has that been like for you? You know, you've been doing this since 2011, man. What has that competition experience been like for you? So I would say it was actually much more prominent in my first six years from 2005 to 2011. That's when the competition was, I would say, at the highest. Um, after we created Latin Expressions in 2011, about six months after that, um, the studio I had been working for closed. And then about two years after we opened the studio that she had been working for closed. And so we were the only Latin dance school for quite a while. Um, and then since then, there's been a couple other things popping, popping up around Indianapolis, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that the rivalry is the same as it was back then. Back then the rivalry was intense. I mean, it was just like, everybody would talk about it. You know, it was just, well, like I said, people would say, yeah, you can't date that person because, you know, they teach at the other school. Like it was that bad. Um, and it was just that petty. Um, now, obviously there's still, you know, competition. However, it's, um, it's not the same level. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, it's bad. It's just, and I think competition is good. It, it, I think it's part of the game, right? Yeah. It, it pushes you to, to up your game. I remember, I remember talking about this. I remember I felt like dancers were more driven in my first six years. I think partly because of that competition, because you wanted to be better than the people at the other school, you know, and you're like, we want to prove that we put out the best dancers, you know, you know, and, and for, for, for good or bad, whether, you know, obviously it's silly, you know, to, to think that way, but it does drive you to an extent to, you know, up your game, you know, that's why, you know, monopolies are, are a problem. Monopolies do create complacency. And uh, when you have a little bit of competition, it does force you to kind of, you know, up your game a little bit and make sure you're still, you know, fighting to get better each and every day. Yeah. I, I kind of understand this, man. This isn't something I normally get to talk about is competition, man. So, so um, I guess kind of like a two-part question for you. And the first part being, do you know why those other schools, do you know why they closed down? Um, I have my own theories. However, they gave different answers for why they closed down. Um, I do think that when we started, so Indianapolis, you know, being a mid-sized city, also a relatively conservative state in general, um, the arts aren't always that appreciated sometimes and, and dancing just isn't huge. And I remember when we started, I told my partner, I was like, I'm just letting you know, Indianapolis has never supported three dance schools. We've only had enough, enough people for two dance schools. So I go, when we started, I was like, one of us is not going to make it. And I was like, one of the three schools, because the two schools that we came from and then our new school. And, you know, the school that I came from, they had a strong edge with their online presence. The owner of that was, was an IT guy. <clears throat> so he had, he was great at, you know, the online presence and his website and everything like that. 
the other school that she was at, um, they had kind of control over all the, the Latin nights in the city. So all the clubs and stuff, they were kind of running all those. So they had a constant influx of students coming through their, their, their Latin parties. And the other studio I was from had a constant influx of students coming from their online presence. And I was like, we got to we gotta get in there somehow, you know, because otherwise someone's not going to make it. There's just not enough room for three schools. And uh, luckily we came out on the other end. And those other two, you know, I said the, the last one, they closed down, you know, six years ago, um, two years after we started. Um, both, both owners of those things went on to do different uh, projects and endeavors and things like that and have been very, very successful at those things as well. Um, but, yeah, why exactly they closed? Probably for a variety of different reasons. Right, right, you know, right. when, when that competition level steps up, it's like everyone gets a – the pie is only this big. When you have two, everybody can say they get half, but now you're getting, going into thirds. And so even if everybody has a third, they're still getting a smaller piece of the pie than what they had before. Um, and obviously, you know, when we started, we both had a, um, my partner, and I, we both had a, um, a presence in the dancing. We would go out dancing all the time. And so a lot of people knew us. And when we started teaching classes together, you know, they came and took our classes and that took students away from those other schools, um, which I know, you know, that also kind of heats up rivalry. You know, they, they weren't happy about that and nor would I have been, you know, but that's the nature of competition. It just, it, it can sometimes be a little brutal, but it is what it is. And, you know, I don't hold hard feelings towards, you know, those people. And when we started, we definitely offered to have them perform at our grand opening party. Um, so we did want to try and bridge that, that gap of that rivalry and say, Hey, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, you can come to our events and we put them on our VIP list so they could get in for free. Um, and said, Hey, if you want to, you know, you know, want to perform at our event, feel free. Okay. So, because before none of that would happen, you would never see them performing at each other's, you know, uh, events. It was like, no, 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 we're not going to help promote you essentially. Mm. And so they wouldn't, you know, do that at all. Okay. Uh, let me, let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, and I guess it's like, this is the two part question. I guess really for, yeah. I want you to kind of related to someone who is you know aspiring to own their own dance studio um what do you think you did you know you, you and your partner in your dance studio your dance school yeah. what do you think you did that made you you know successful that made you able to endure those other two schools what do you what you do special i would say the most important thing you can do is you have to create two things, two things, in my opinion, to create a successful studio. And that's, you have to provide informative knowledge, knowledge that's going to help them reach their goals. And you have to make sure it's fun. Because there's some schools that do one or the other. They're, they're so disciplined, but they're not creating an enjoyable experience. It's almost like army training, you know. And it's just a drill, drill, drill. And there's other schools that, like, and I remember hearing this, you know, with one of those schools, the the owner one time told one of their instructors, you know, just move on. Don't worry if they're getting it. Just make sure they're having fun. 
Like, but if they're not getting it, then they're not going to enjoy their dancing later on. You know, they they got to get something out of the class besides just having fun. But like he told his instructor, just make sure they're having fun. And we try to create a very healthy balance of an atmosphere that is fun, but also informative. And you got to find that balance. And, and a lot of people struggle to find that balance. And I think it comes with just years and years of practice and you know, a lot of times when I, I go to like congresses and stuff, I will I will go to workshops and I will watch and or just watch how the, the other instructors are teaching so I can maybe get ideas on how I can provide a better experience for my students. You know, because I think learning to teach and starting a studio, you know, teaching is, is like dancing that's an acquired learning experience. You're not just automatically a good teacher. Sometimes there's some great dancers who are terrible teachers. Exactly. That's so true. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where you have to hone that craft, just like dance. You have to hone the craft of dance. You have to hone your craft as a teacher. And so I would constantly, and I've now reached a point where I'm certainly, I know my, my niche, my style, my comfort level when I'm teaching and like, when I go in my, my teacher mode, people can see it. They're like, oh, Kyle's in teacher mode. Like they, I just go into this zone and, I, and I'm just there. And because I have discovered my style of, of approaching things and you have to be able to find that balance and not everybody can do that. Um, but I think that's what it takes to be successful is you have to create a fun experience, but also helping people reach their goals. Because if they don't reach their goals, then they're not going to want to come back. And if they're not having a fun experience, then they're also not going to want to come back. And so I think you have to make, mix those two in a way that, you know, keeps people wanting to come to you. Because another thing that we experienced was that when students would try multiple schools, they would constantly stick with us. You know, su students who were at one of those schools, was like, well, let me try a class over there. They would take a class. And I remember a student saying, like, I learned more in like one hour here than I did in a month over there. Um just because they're like, you know, you guys go into a lot more detail and like they weren't giving me that kind of detailed technique when they were teaching and like, and so they would constantly stick with us. And that really helped us, I think, you know, stay successful was creating that environment and that experience for people that made them want to keep taking classes. I definitely understand that, man. I, um, I really want to hear about, you know, I guess we've spoken about, you know, I guess the, the dance side of it. I'm very curious to hear about, I guess, you know, the business side, man. And and so I, I, I would love to hear, you know, what was that first year like of running a dance studio? What was that like for you? So um, it, it was a lot of fun. So this is, you know, it's a very good question. It also taps into what it takes to really start a studio. Um, so the way we did it is we didn't actually purchase a space we rented space hourly which made it a lot easier so there was no immediate overhead cost realistically to teach when we first started teaching all we needed was wood floors and a speaker we didn't even have mirrors at the first place we were teaching you know we didn't even have mirrors you know we were just we just need a place to teach and because your your investment is actually in yourself you know that's how you become good at, at doing it and providing that experience is investing in yourself as a dancer and or a teacher so that you can provide that. So, you know, it's not like you not like opening a restaurant where you got right. buy kitchen stuff and, you know, equipment and, and tables and utensils. Yeah. 
you know, there's not a huge overhead if you're just renting space. Um, and so for that, you know, our first year was from a business standpoint was successful. I remember like my mom asked me one time, well, are you guys profitable? I'm like, of course, because we don't really have that much expense. You know, all we got to do at this stage is pay to rent the space for an hour, you know, and as long as we have enough students to do that, then we're making money. Um, and so from a financial standpoint and a business approach, that's how we stayed you know, successful. And obviously it helped as well, because when we started, we had full time jobs you know when we started we had another source of income because right, obviously when you first income. Start, you're not gonna have you know you know a huge student base i remember our first beginner class we had four people in it our first beginner class we had four total people and you know and they were like friends of ours you know it wasn't even like because we didn't have like you know an established brand yet you know it's where people would come to us we had to like bring other people in um but yeah, so it was just from a business standpoint, it wasn't as difficult financially. The hardest part was just the hours, just, you know, you know, just creating, you know, marketing material, going out and recruiting and, you know, just not really recruiting, like more so just going out dancing. So when people see us dance, they go, oh, wow, do you guys teach? And then go, oh, yeah, but we do teach, you know. And so just literally trying to get yourself out there so people know that you have classes and they can come to them and then just, you know, lesson planning. So that was another thing, you know, studios before didn't do like any lesson planning. They just kind of taught whatever. And like, you know, I created a curriculum and, you know, I've been to studios like that, man, where you can, you can tell when the, the instructors kind of just wing it on the spot, creating a pattern yeah, yeah. on the spot. Yeah. And they don't seem prepared and, and another hard part is like, and I tell people, you know, you can't learn multiplication and division until you've learned addition and subtraction, you know? And so the order of which you teach people things is very, very important. And I don't think the other studios really recognize that. Um, I mean, obviously they, they recognize it to the point, well, first turn I got to teach is a right turn. You know, I mean, that's like kind of the first turn everybody learns in salsa, you know? Um, but after that, once it kind of gets to intermediate levels of dancing, they didn't really have some sort of plan or progression for the students. And, you know, I created a curriculum that has a progression so that they're always learning something that is kind of building off of what they've already learned. And, you know, I think that's really, really important that you're planning those things. That's like I said, that was a hard part about that first year of business is trying to really figure out how to structure everything and figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work all the time. Um, cause I had never done that before because like I said, the other studios I had been with, there was no lesson planning. It was just, all right, we're going to teach this today. You know? Yeah, I understand that, man. Let, let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, you know, so you've been doing this since 2011. It's currently 2019, man. Um, what are some things that you know now? that you wish you knew, you know, in, in that beginner stage of owning a studio? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I don't know. You might, you might have to come back to me on that one. I, I'll start again a little bit later. Maybe, I got you. So, so, Cause yeah, nothing's coming to me right away. Now that's good. Think, well, yeah, think about it. Cause I got, let me ask you, this is why I want to ask you this, man. Um, for someone who currently owns a dance studio you kind of spoke on it already but um you know how do you go about 
new student acquisition? You know, you said go out dancing. Is there, you know, online presence as well? Um, you know, how, how do you go about that? Yeah. So, so we do a few different things. We, um, you know, we, we have a running Groupon, which, which helps, you know, acquire new students. Um, you know, so like I said, I would say in the beginning stages, it was going out dancing. We don't need to do that as much anymore because we do have an established brand and also word of mouth. Another, we offer um, discounts to our current students who bring in new students. So we encourage our students to bring in people for us by giving them a discount rate on their classes. And so obviously, you know, financial incentive for someone else is a good incentive for them. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll try and recruit my friends. And so that's a good way we try and really help get people to come in. Um, then obviously, which I think a lot of studios do is, you know, participating in, you know, different events around the city, you know, going to different, you know, gigs and performing and teaching and sometimes, you know, doing those things for free, you know, just going to an event and knowing that, hey, there's going to be, you know, a few hundred people here. And if we do a good job, we can, you know, get a couple students out of it, you know, and then, you know, so I didn't get paid for that event specifically. However, if those students come in and they're recurring students, that could be potentially, you know, you know, who knows how much money coming into the studio um, over the course of time, you know, so really just making sure that you're, you know, reaching out to the community and letting the community know that you're there so that when they want to dance, they know where they can go. Or if they have a friend who's, yeah, I'm really thinking about taking salsa class. Oh yeah. I heard about this place called Latin expressions and then go from there. But yes, also having an online presence. It was important. I just recently invested quite a bit into a new, my new website, which I love. So, uh, I hadn't had like, you know, a website that was as functional as this one because I was just too cheap to put in, you know, the amount of money to have like a real professional put it together. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And I did. So now our website is, you know, a lot of people have been commenting on like, oh my gosh, you guys have such a nice website. And I'm like, thank goodness. <laughs> and, you know, and so that, I think that provides a lot, you know, in terms of, you know, once someone visits your website, you want it to be easy for them to get the information that they need because, you know, we live in a society where, you know, people don't want to just sit there and have to dig through page after page to find just some simple information. I understand. Let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, this is a two-part question right here, man. Um, can you tell me, you know, in this, in your dance studio journey, you know, first part being, you know, what was the most difficult time for you? And tell me what that was. And, and the second part of that, you know, you know, what got you through it and, and you know, and how did you overcome it? Yeah. So, uh, definitely the most difficult time for me was a couple of years ago. Um, I, uh, made quite a few mistakes in some of my relationships and certainly alienated myself from certain key members of my, of my staff. And, um, it was very, very challenging because, you know, one of those people I had been in a romantic relationship with, and there was a lot of turmoil there afterwards and a lot of hurt feelings and I made mistakes and you know I made some very rash decisions 
that I did not think through and decisions that I made, unfortunately, not in the most uh, sober of states at the time. And it uh, definitely caused me to burn those relationships and burn those bridges. And not because I wanted to, but just because of mistakes that I had made. And I lost my, you know, some of my best friends and very, very dedicated and loyal teachers. And so it was a very, very challenging time. I would say more so for losing the relationships than anything else. Um, from a business standpoint, you know, I had to really rely on a new set of people and um, really kind of start training a new group of people to kind of help teach. Um, and so very fortunately, um, I had a, an instructor, a current instructor who moved here just a few months after all that happened, moved here from Puerto Rico with her husband. And she was a teacher in Puerto Rico. And so she got involved in the studio. She came at the, the perfect time in my life as a saving grace. And she offered a lot of a lot of what I was bad at in terms of teaching and dancing. I, I'm a very uh, I'm very good from a technical aspect, but, but her, you know, being you know Latina from Puerto Rico brought a ton of sabor, you know, like she was just, you know, she was a firecracker and had a great personality, very, you know. You know, approachable and everyone loved her and you know, she definitely stepped up in a major way and helped me a lot um as well as uh you know her name is dolly and you know so if she listens to this shout out girl you're awesome and uh i had you know a couple other instructors who also stepped up in a big way uh, uh mondo and bianca uh they were two students of ours who showed so much promise early on and you know i spent quite a bit of time really investing in them and uh know training them a bit and you know they've been a huge part of our success especially mondo bianca's in nursing school and she's been really busy with that but mondo's like he he was there every single day like he's probably been there more than anybody else and like without you know dedicated people like that there's no way i could have gotten through that experience i mean there, there was it was a dark period of my life where i was very close to closing the studio um and just, you know, calling it quits because of the stress that, that was involved with it. And, you know, the relationships that I had lost that I was so desperately missing, um, feeling just so hopeless and alone at that time. And those people really came through for me in a big way. And I don't know if and I've, I've told them at times, but I don't think they fully grasp and understand just how much they contributed, not just to the studio, but to my life and, you know, helping me go forward. So that was certainly the most difficult time, but definitely got some very uh, rewarding relationships on the other end afterwards, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell too much on the negatives, man, but yeah, yeah. is there anything, Good. is there anything that you learned that maybe could be of value to someone else from that experience? Um, one, don't make rash decisions. Don't make decisions out of emotion or anger or in a, uh, in a non-sober state, you know, cause you get mad and, you know, um, and, and just really try to listen to people more. Um, 
Like I said, I made so many mistakes at that time with those relationships. And I have a lot of regret. And unfortunately, some of those those things have not been, you know, resolved since then, you know. And so there's still a lot of regret there. And so really just taking the time to listen to people, appreciate people. And, you know, it's something that I've been working quite a bit on um, that I feel like I wasn't doing good enough of at the time. I understand, man. I definitely understand that, man. Um, let, let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, you know, I guess what are some things that you learned from dancing that you're able to translate to your everyday life? It, it, it is a huge part of life in general for anything, you know, just really. And, and I think confidence goes a lot in believing in yourself. Um, and so because when, when, when you're confident, it's because you believe in what you're capable of. That's why you're confident. Um, so I think that translates, you know, greatly to everything in life, just really believing in yourself and you know, not being afraid to, you know, go for things. And I remember one time I was with my partner in Chicago at a dance event, and there was a really well-known dancer out of New York City who was attending the event, and everybody was just kind of sitting around watching her dance. And, you know, Chicago is not, you know, some small-time dance city either. Right, it's big There's over a there. lot of good dancers in Chicago, and it's a big city with a huge, amazing dance scene. So for even Chicago dancers, just kind of be sitting around watching this person, you know, that's, you know, she was really, really good. And, you know, my partner and I were sitting there as well, watching the guy she was dancing with. And she kind of nudged me and she goes, I bet you won't ask her to dance. I looked over and I said, bet your ass I won't. Next song, I grabbed her and I went and danced. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, like I said, and it gives you that confidence, you know, because it pushes you to do things. You know, I think we've all kind of experienced that. The, the nervousness of asking someone that you know is well above your current level and asking them to dance and just being so nervous and your heart is pounding as, you, as you're walking up to them like, oh my gosh, like, and so, but it really gives you the, you know, the ability to really believe in yourself to say, yeah, I can do this. You know, and, and I, I grabbed her and I danced with her and we had a great dance and people were watching us and it was a phenomenal dance. And I'm so glad I did it, but I'll never forget that experience because, you know, it was one of those things where it was intimidating. And, you know, my partner was like, I bet you won't ask her to dance. I was like, bet your ass I won't. I'm walking over there. You know, I want to dance with her. And so, yeah, it just really, it pushes you to, to fight for things and believe in yourself that you can do what you want to do. And you don't have to be afraid, even if it does make you a little nervous, you know, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I definitely understand that, man. Um, so, so at this, you know, I guess point in your life, man, um, I guess, how would you define success for your dance studio? Like, do you have any goals for it currently that you're trying to obtain? Like, what, what would make you say, okay, you know, I feel successful for it, or is it already successful for you? I do feel it's already successful. Um, but I will say that, you know, I remember like sometimes I'll get asked, like, you know, like at an event, like if we had a good turnout, and I was like, yeah, it was a good turnout, but as a business owner, you always want a better turnout. It doesn't matter how good it is. You always want more, you know, you always want more success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I definitely feel it's successful um, in many regards. And that's 
where I'll say is actually probably the most rewarding aspect is success in terms of, I can't tell you how many people met each other through Latin expressions and are now married. Like, I love it. Like, it's so awesome, like, to know that you can impact lives that way because you're providing something that's bringing people together. Um, yeah, so many people. Now, I, I quit counting because at one point I was going to try and keep counting and keep track. And now I'm just like, forget it. Like, too many people are now getting engaged and getting married that met each other through either a Latin expressions class or an event or something like that. And so that's really cool. And then also, every now and then, I think all teachers kind of experience this every now and then but they don't experience it enough is every so often you get a student who comes to you and will tell you how you've changed their life. And that is beyond the most, the, the most, you know, the greatest thing about teaching and having someone come back and just saying, yeah, like, I don't know where I would be right now had it not been for this. And just knowing that people can really, really appreciate what you're doing and they appreciate you. Um, so like I said, I think all instructors will sometimes receive that feedback, um, but it, it's never often enough because there's no greater feeling. You always want that. Like It's like an ultimate high when you hear that, when someone's telling you, you've changed my life and what you do impacts so many lives. And it's just it's so rewarding. That's definitely the the of best part course. for sure. I would say, um, you know, you contacted me, man. You told me that you know, um, you found value in my podcast, man. You know, that meant the dude. world to me, man. <laughs> well, dude, and, that, and that's why I did that. And I try to take time to tell people those things because I know how much it means to me. Yeah. And I always want to tell someone. And so like I said, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast, and so I was like, yeah, I won't let you know. Keep doing what you're doing because what what you're offering is such invaluable information. And I was, I was telling my students, you know, about this upcoming, you know, talk with you and, you know, telling them about your podcast. And I was like, what's great about it is we're able to like have these conversations that don't often take place, you know, because when you're in a class, you know, you're, you're learning moves, you're learning steps. Sometimes you don't get to talk about, you know, all the range of topics you cover with the different guests you have on here. And, but it's such great information. And I think they're conversations that oftentimes really experienced dancers have had like at just like, you know, hanging around at their homes or something, you know, just talking dance or whatever, but it doesn't happen very often in a public forum where everyone accesses that information and can really look at dance from just a little bit different of a perspective. Yeah, I definitely man. I'm in uh, I'm in the world too, man. I really appreciate hey, dude, you doing that, man. No, no, thank you. So. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, for for beginners out there who, you know, I guess getting back to you know dance right now. For yeah. for, for beginners out there who feel like they may be stuck mm-hmm. in a beginner's rut, mm-hmm. you know, what uh, what words of advice can you give them? Yeah, yeah, I, I call it plateaus, and uh, I feel like every dancer who dances long enough will reach plateaus at multiple times during their, their dance, you know, their dance lives, dance careers, you know, everyone will reach that plateau. And, and I always just, and I've had students approach me like, and I don't feel like I'm like, you know, really like progressing forward at anymore. Like I feel like I've you know, kind of peaked and I'm like, we all go through that. The one, the people who are really, really good dancers are the ones who fight through it. Even when you feel like you're not getting better, you are. 
You just don't realize it. You might not see it. It's like watching, you know, a, a kid grow up. If you're in that house with that kid every day, you may not see the growth. However, you know, your aunt or uncle, you know, comes over and hasn't seen them for like four or five months. Like, man, he's grown so much, you know, and so you don't necessarily realize your own growth sometimes. You might feel like you're stuck, but it's because you see that growth every minute of every day because you're in your own body, you know, but you don't realize that from the outside, someone who hasn't seen you dancing in like three months or something, you might have progressed much more than you realized. And a lot of people just feel like, you know, once they hit that plateau, that's as far as they're going to get. It's not, it's not the end. It's not the end. You just got to keep pushing, keep pushing. And, and oftentimes I'll tell them, you know, ask your instructors, you know, say, Hey, what can I get better at? What should I work on? And ask your instructor to give you something specific. Because a lot of times when people feel like they've plateaued, I feel like it's because they've, they don't have a goal anymore. They're, they're just trying to get better. And that's why I always ask them, like, what do you want to get better at? Don't say dance. What about dance? Do you want to get better at spinning, at styling, at body movement, at turn patterns, at whatever? But have something specific that you want to get better at. And that's what I, I used to do when I was first learning, I would f take one thing. I'm like, well, and it sounds silly now to it is silly, but I would think, all right, well, what makes that person a good dancer? I'm like, Oh, they can do a triple spin. I'm gonna do a triple spin. Then I'll be a good dancer. <laughs> of course I wasn't because my triple spin, I wasn't even spotting. Remember, but it, what it did is it pushed me to work on something. And then, you know, I was like, why is that guy a good dancer? Oh man, his pachanga is on point. I got, I got to learn how to do pachanga, you know, or like, you know, watching like bachata or something like, man, I got to learn how to do a body roll. Then I'll be a good dancer. You know, but the point is I always looked for something that I thought was specifically making that person look good. They look good because that body roll looks awesome or that spin looks great, you know? And so I would try to then just focus on mastering that. I would just spend as much time as I could just really dedicate to that one goal. Get good at doing spins. Get good at doing pachanga. Get good at doing a body roll. Get good at doing a shimmy. Get good at whatever, you know, like really focusing in on one item that you can improve. Um, I think I think that's really helpful, man. Definitely. And I, I agree with it, man. Um, yeah, just not having a goal. So when you have a goal in mind, something specific to work yeah. on, I think that's I think that's very valuable, man. I really like that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell the, the follows in classes as well. Um, I've started to really preach this a little bit more lately than I had in the past. But, you know, follows a lot of times, you know, struggle with classes because they're learning a term pattern that they don't actually get to lead, right? I'm like, what you got to do as a follow, though, when you go into a class, don't worry about the pattern. Come to class with a specific goal. Say, all right, well, while I'm doing this term pattern with these guys, I'm going to make sure I'm spotting on every single turn. Every turn, I'm going to make sure I'm looking where I need to be looking at every moment. Like pick something very, very specific to focus on while you're in class as a follow. That way, because so, I've seen so many girls, you know, they, they get in class and they're just back leading the pattern. I'm like, if you're focusing on the pattern, you're doing it wrong because that's not how you're going to be dancing in real life. Don't worry about the pattern. Worry about your balance. Worry about turning your feet out. Worry about spotting. Worry about your, your frame. Think about something different and use that as a way of making yourself better when you're in class. Real quick, man, we we brought this up a couple of times. Um, spotting. Yeah. For people who may not know what spotting is, uh, please uh, elaborate on that. 
oh man, all right, how, how do I explain this without actually doing it? So as I'm turning, as I'm turning, I keep my head looking forward. And as I go all the way around, as I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I look my head back so I can see the front. I'm picking one spot, one spot out right. front yeah. of me. And as I turn, I'm only looking at that one spot. And so as I as my body is rotating, my face and head is the last thing to leave. And it's the first thing to get back around. So I don't see the whole room. I just see that one spot as I'm going through that turn. And and, and real quick, and, and why should you spot? So I, I usually tell students for two reasons. One, it definitely looks better when you're da- dancing and someone is spotting. When, whenever I'm out, if I see a girl who's really good at spotting, I'm like, I want to dance with her because I know she's a good dancer. Uh, two, obviously, it's going to help you not get as dizzy, you know, because you're only seeing that one spot instead of the whole spinning room. Um, so it'll definitely help you with dizziness, which in turn will help you with balance because people who get dizzy are going to have less balance. So spotting is good for, you know, multiple reasons. Um and yeah, so I really try and tell my students, like, I know it's a struggle and it's a hard thing to learn, but it's worth it in the end. Definitely, definitely, man. That's um, I was on a performance scene at one point. Spotting is something that I definitely had trouble with, I, yeah. as I definitely understand it. Well, I, I remember because I told you, you know, I started learning, you know, triple spins. And I wasn't even spotting. And I remember when I had when I decided, I was like, oh, man, I need to get good at that. And I remember spotting started to make me more dizzy. I was like, how's this working, you know? And then, you know, and I've had other students say the same thing. Like, I'm getting, like, worse when I spot. I'm like, it's just because your body's not used to it yet as you keep doing it, though. Like, now I'm like, I don't know how I used to do that. Except now I'll demonstrate without spotting. I'm like, I get dizzy just doing two turns without a spot. I'm like, oh, gosh. No, I definitely understand that, man. Um, let me ask you a continuation to that that previous question, man. So yeah. for someone who is an intermediate and they yeah. want to get to that advanced level, what does it take for them? I would say, well, one, it just it does depend on where they are as an intermediate dancer, like what, because everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. And so kind of going back to what I said before, where if you're an intermediate dancer and you're feeling like you're kind of stuck, what I would encourage them to do is try and find one of their weaknesses and find one of their weaknesses and build it up as a strength, because that's how you gotta work yourself up to being a better dancer is taking things that you're and, and it's painful and it's awful because no one likes to work on things that they're not good at you know and so it's a very tedious and, and difficult thing to do but it's how you're going to get better is taking something that you're already bad at and turning it into one of your strengths um and so to do that though does take a little bit of self-awareness you have to be aware of what you're good at and what you're not good at um and so and if you don't know that and you're not aware of your strengths and weaknesses you know ask someone you know and, and I also tell people, I'm like, you know, humble yourself, you know, don't be afraid to be bad at something and admit that you're bad at it and you need to get better at it. Because a lot of people, you know, especially when they get to an intermediate level, they're feeling really really comfortable. They they, they feel comfortable and and they should because intermediate is one of the best dancing stages because you're, I, I think intermediate dancers have it the best. but they're still intermediate. So there's still a lot to learn. So they're still in that learning phase and, and learning can be so much fun. And so that's why I say intermediate dancers have it the best because the better you get and the more you learn, the less there is to learn. So learning becomes much harder the more you know. 
because there's it's little things that you got to fix now very tiny details as opposed to like just learning a new move or a new turn pattern you know there's still a lot to learn when you're an intermediate dancer but you're intermediate so you know you've got this confidence now you can go out and have fun um but again humbling yourself and realizing yeah even though i'm comfortable doesn't mean i'm good at everything and you gotta be able to admit what you're not good at so you can get better at it i, I think that's like, huge man yeah well that's kind of why i said you like when dolly moved here she brought exactly what i wasn't the best at which was like that natural latina sabor that that you know, and she was really good at that. And I'm very much more from a technical standpoint. And, you know, so she brought something that, you know, wasn't my strength. And so I would have her, you know, teach some body movement to the class. Be like, hey, y'all, look at her. Do what she's doing. Like, she is what you need to be doing right now. And because that wasn't my strength in terms of what I teach, you know. And so, yeah, just knowing what you, you need to get better at and then addressing it. And it's not fun, but... That's how you'll get better. Like I said, there's no shortcuts. No shortcuts. That's so true, man. That's so true, man. Um, I want to ask you two more questions, man. Yeah. I don't want to hold you for too long, but um, you know, real quick. So you you know you own a dance studio. You're an instructor as well. Um, how important is it for yourself as well as other instructors? How important is it to uh, be continuously learning, always being a student? Oh, gosh. It's always, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying earlier when I was like, I would go to congresses and take workshops just to learn how to be a better teacher. You know, not even just, you know, learning dance, but learning how to, you know, because if you're teaching, your goal should be to make that experience for your students the best you can. And so learning how to do that is a process. Then also, I remember when I first started Latin Expressions with my partner, the, the best thing that anyone ever said to me when I started was uh, he, he said, you know, I'm really glad that the two of you are starting this, this studio together because I already think you guys are the best in Indianapolis, but I see that you're still getting better. And he, he was like, he goes, you're not stuck where you are. You're still fighting, even though I think you're already the best. You don't need to work any harder to be the best because you already are in Indianapolis. But I feel you guys are still pushing. He goes, I, he, and he was like, he doesn't even really take classes. He, he was just a pure social dancer, very good too. Highly respect his, his opinion because he's a great social dancer. And he was like, I don't take classes. But if I did, that's the type of instructor I would want to take classes from. Um, and it really stuck with me. And yeah, always learning because it gives you that much more to provide your students with. You know, and, and that's the goal is you want to be able to provide to others, you know, and the more you can provide, the more successful your your studio is going to be. And so always learning and other people appreciate that, too. I think a lot of times, you know, you can, you know, lead by example. If, if you're still learning, then like, well, I guess I got to keep learning, too. I mean, he, he's the teacher and he's learning something new, like. But it's like, what am I over here doing? <laughs> I think, yeah, as an instructor, you know, you, you lead by example, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so you have to be able to to realize that even though you might know more than everybody else in that room, you still have more to learn. There's still someone out there better than you. There's always going to be, oh, and not necessarily better, because I don't like to say someone's better, that, but, but they do something different. 
And so it's something you can learn. It's not that it's better than what you had done before. It just means it's different. Obviously, there are like, you know, levels in terms of what's good and what's not good and, you know, being better than someone. However, when like two really good dancers reach a certain height, it's not to say that one is better than the other. They might have a different style and you might be able to learn something from that style. And just being open to that and knowing that there's no right or wrong way. It's just, you know, learning something new. I definitely understand that, man. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, man. Final question for you, man. Yeah. Um, can you give me one tip that can make anyone a better dancer immediately? Ooh, one tip that will make them a better dancer immediately. Can you be more specific with the word immediately? Um, like right now, <laughs> like, 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 like do something in one second later, they're a better dancer. Exactly. Give me one tip that'll make me a better dancer right make now. You a better dancer right now, right now. Practice. Simple as that. It, it, practice. And practicing is, is the biggest key. If you practice, you'll get better at something. It's just. I don't know any other way to really answer that question, I guess. You know, that's perfect, you know, man. That's perfect. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I tell people, I'm like, if you go to class once a week and you don't practice outside of that class, it's not going to matter. You know, you, you got to, I always tell people, learning to dance is like learning a language. You know, you're literally learning a language. And anyone who's learned a second language will tell you the best way is full immersion. You know, best way to learn a language is just to be thrown into it. You know, and so that's why I was saying earlier, you got to be willing to commit, you know, if you want to get good, because doing something once a week, you might be learning, but you're not going to progress the way that you really would benefit the most from if you really practice. And, you know, if you learn a new word and a language and you don't use that word for a week, you're probably going to forget that word, you know. And so if you go to class once a week, and you don't really practice or go out dancing or anything else, it's going to be hard to retain that information that you learned a week ago. You got to constantly be practicing. And, and the more you practice, you're going to get better immediately. Okay. It, yeah. and, and it might be in small increments. Cause a lot of times people say get better. Like they want like a big better, like 1% better. doesn't matter. You're still better. And if you get 1% better a little bit, that's something that our cult team here, our yeah. coach preaches a lot. One percent better every day, and so you know, it's. And I tell my students, I'm like, all you want to do is just get a little bit better each day. You don't have to like become amazing overnight. Most people don't. Just getting a little bit better and practicing will do that. You just gotta get a little bit. Nah, that's so true, man. That's so true, man. Um, you know, I really want to, you know, thank you, Kyle, for you know taking time with you to talk to oh, me. Oh no, no, thank you. I love it. Hey, 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 the dope, Um, so yeah, real quick, Kyle, Kyle, tell me, you know, what are some of your upcoming events? You know, what do you have going on in your life? Okay, yeah. So we've got a uh, on December seventh, we're gonna have uh, Angel Martinez from Chicago, salsa world champion, coming to teach workshops and perform with his team. And so we're we're super excited about that. I, I've known Angel for for many many years, and uh, I'm excited to be bringing him back to Indianapolis to teach. And so, yeah, that'll be in, in December and then, you know, slows down a little bit around the holidays, you know, and then uh, once the new year kicks off, uh, our, uh, our our dance team, we're about to finish up our choreography, our student dance team. 
and they're doing phenomenal. I'm so excited for that team. They, uh, they're learning the choreography I put together for them very, very quickly. And we're hoping to have it done by, by the end of January to have them be able to perform it. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But those are the two main projects we got coming up. And, you know, we're really excited about that. Obviously, we got our, our weekly events. We got a, a weekly Wednesday night at the Red Room in Broad Ripple. For those of you Indianapolis listeners, every Wednesday we've, uh, we've got that going on where we dance all night. And then, uh, yeah, so that's about it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And real quick, tell me, um, how can people get in contact with you? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so uh, we've got we've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, obviously our website, uh, latinexp.com. And uh, we, so all that information is on that website. We've got our address and phone numbers and access to our Instagrams and Facebook page and things like that. And so, yeah, best way is just go to our website, that new website that everybody's talking about. Check it out. And uh, you can, you know, sign up for your classes on our website. You can order dance shoes from our website. You know, we, we got it all. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And, oh. and, and on the website, you can sign up for our, uh, our, our e-newsletter that we send out once a month, updating people on our events. And when you sign up for that, it'll give you access to that beginner's guide to salsa dancing I was talking about earlier. Okay. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, I think it was actually one more question we didn't get to, man. Yeah. Uh, I asked you, you know, what are some things you know now that you wish you had known when you, you know, when we first started? Were you able to think of anything? Anything come to mind? Yeah. Ask it one more time. Ask it one more time. Yeah, don't worry. So, um, you know, referring to your dance studio, man, what are some things that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? I wish I had known just how hard it was going to be. Um, you know, everybody always says, of course, it's hard to own your own business or whatever. But I don't think I truly understood or appreciated that until I had to go through it. Um, and a lot of people just think, oh, I'm just going to teach classes. That's all it is. No, no. There, there's lesson planning. There's promoting events, promoting your classes. You know, there's all kinds of things that go on behind the, because people will ask like, so all you do is you just, you just teach dance. I'm like, yeah, the business runs itself. You know, it's like, you know, but it's one of those things where people just don't think about the behind the scenes stuff. And it's things that you don't always anticipate. And, and, you know, I wish I probably had had a better grasp of all that beforehand. Um, Cause it probably would have made the earlier years a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, just n- knowing what it takes to run a business. And so a lot of times when people ask me what I do, a lot of times I'll just say I'm a small business owner because <laughs> yeah. And cause yeah, cause it's, it's you are running a business yeah. and you have to do a lot of things that uh, I guess here's the other one. Yeah. I wish I had known that I was going to have to do things and make decisions that were going to make people happy and unhappy. Um, and that's a very difficult thing is, knowing that you've got to make a business decision that's going to upset some people, but it's a decision you have to make. It's the right decision, but people aren't going to be happy with it. And, you know, you just have to be willing to know that some people aren't going to be happy with what you're doing. Some people are going to be very happy with what you're doing. All you can do is do what you think is best for the business and, you know, your students. 
I definitely understand that, man. I definitely do, man. Um, you know, like I said, man, I really just want to thank you, Kyle, for taking time out your day, man. No, no, thank you, thank you. So, um, when I post, I'm gonna make sure I put all your social media information. I'll put it in the comments in the description, man. I got you on that. I appreciate that. Of course, you know how to do your thing. <laughs> no doubt, man. Um, so before we wrap this up, Kyle, anything, any last words you want to say? Anything you want to say to people, man? Before we close this out. Uh, no, I just say uh, enjoy the dance, enjoy the music, and and that's the most important part. Enjoying it, and and enjoy the journey. Okay, enjoy the journey. Thank you so much, Kyle, the director of Latin Expressions, man. I think thank you. This will do it for this episode of the Two Feet Podcast. No doubt. Take it easy, Kyle. Thank you. You too. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Hey everyone, uh, if you made it this far to all the end of the video, I want to thank you so much. Um, my overall goal with making these interviews and these episodes is uh, to give a voice to dancers, you know, to give them a platform to speak their story. So uh, if this is of value to anyone, then that, that means the world to me. Um, my overall goal is to give value to the dance community. So, if you find no value in this, then I, I urge you to please let me know where I can improve on. Um, I I truly want to, you know, just uh, give value and content to to the dance community. Um, so, please let me know how I can improve, where I'm messing up, because to be 100% honest with you, um, you know, I'm learning along the way as I do this. I, I truly am. So um, to be able to interact with, you know, the dance community, it means the world to me because it, it gives me feedback and it lets me know, you know, what I'm doing right, where I can improve upon, um, you know, what I'm doing wrong, which I feel like might be more important. Um, so please, if you all could, could comment and just let me know what you think, it, it means the world to me because, you know, that feedback just helps me improve. So, um Please comment uh, as well, you know, please like and subscribe. That means a lot as well. Um, but, you know, I want to say thank you so much for for just watching this because it means the world to me. Um, you know, I want to I wanna take you on this journey with Two Love Feet Podcast. You know, I'm, I'm very excited for it. So, once again, thank you so much.